hands pump it up. Why your feet are stumping? And the jam is pumping. Look at it, the body jumping. Pump it up a little more. Get the party going on the dance floor. Stick it back where the party's at, and you find out if you do that. What is up, everybody? This is Gratitude Unfiltered, and I'm your host, Joshua T. Berglund. Happy Friday, everybody. We are live, and I'm so happy to be here. Uh, man, we have such a fun, awesome guest today. I cannot wait for you guys. She was actually originally scheduled, uh, golly, it seems like it was a week ago, and uh, unfortunately, she wasn't able to be on, but I am grateful that you guys are here today. Um, I want to give a shout out really quick to the radio audience. I want to give a shout out to the podcast audience. Thank you guys for your support. If you're watching right now on the binge networks on Amazon Fire, uh, Roku, Apple TV, any of those streaming networks or your smart TV, you can join the conversation live at facebook.com slash gratitude unfiltered. So blessed to have you guys here. But again, uh, I want to give a shout out to the Facebook audience because the show started with you and it will always be about you guys. So thank you. Um, your comments, questions, all of that stuff is definitely encouraged because you are just as much a part of the show as my goofy butt. So really, really excited to be here. I think you guys are going to be blown away. Um, I, it's Alicia Dunham's is our guest, and you can find her at aliciadunhams.com. That is A-L-I-C-I-A-D-U-N-A-M-S.com, uh, and you can go to bestsellerinaweekend.com or thebookfunnel.com. She's been on the Steve Harvey show. She's just, I mean, she's an incredible woman. I don't know if she remembers meeting me or not, um, but we met one time at an event and it was just something like, was like, yeah, I don't know who you are, but I see you. And it was really, really cool. It was a cool experience for me. Um, so now being introduced through a mutual friend to have her on the program, I'm so, so excited to have her. But without further ado, Ladies and gentlemen, let's get into this and bring Alicia Dunham's on the show. God, I hope I'm saying that right. Or yes, Alicia. Am I saying it right? Alicia Dunham's. Alicia Dunham's. Yes, Alicia Dunham's. Whoa, hold on, really quick. Tucker, good to see you, my man. Good to see you. You kind of disappeared from social media. So, really quick, Alicia, the, the, Facebook interacts I with the show. They ask questions, and sometimes we could be going down a path and the audience will take us somewhere else. So be prepared, anything happens here. I Mary Sterling, good to see you. Thank you so much, Tucker, for sharing the video. Alicia, um, again, so blessed to have you here. What are you grateful for today? I am grateful to be alive. We woke up this morning, so that's a huge reason to be grateful. Uh, the little things count. Uh, just to be able to be here, to be connected with you at this time, Joshua. Uh, and uh, life is good. Uh, so I would say I'm grateful to be alive because some people didn't wake up this morning. So that is something uh, that, uh, you know, when I when I think about uh, like I have my book, I get to. And I was actually in the recording studio yesterday recording the audiobook version of the, uh, of the book. And and when gratitude is my favorite subject to talk about. Because when you are grateful, you create more things to be grateful for. And so when you're walking along in life and you see someone who is not in a space, now again, um, we have all different types of emotions and lots of things going on in the world. When you come back to the, the, the grounding of gratitude, it's the great equalizer. You create gratitude, there's more things to be grateful for. So I am grateful to be alive. 
I love that. I want to. So everyone's gratitude practice is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, some people just say, ah, I'm grateful for my bed. I'm grateful to, for the sun outside. I'm great. You know, tell me about your gratitude practice and why it's so, and how you utilize it to transform your day. Absolutely. So I think everyone has different gratitude practices. I could talk about your gratitude tool belt. What's in your tool belt in terms of something that you can access 24 hours a day, seven days a week that is free. And I would say part of the uh, gratitude tool belt will be just having a gratitude list. Another thing to do, so a gratitude list just to explain is listing things that you're grateful for every morning. What am I grateful for? Five things, list it off. Uh, And uh, another thing in terms of gratitude uh, would be uh, just mindfulness exercises. So breathing, meditation, exercise, And I would say my superhero gratitude toolkit uh, really is the power of reframe, reframing situations. So my, the name of my book is called I get to, and the reason it is, it's I get to versus I have to, a lot of people say they have to go to work uh, or they have to pick up the kids from school. And I always say, what does it look like if you reframe that to I get to, that I get to go to work, because some people don't have a job. That's right. Or I get to pick up the kids from school uh, realizing, you know, maybe, um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things there. Um, But, uh, you know, looking again at um, how can you reframe your life? Uh, How can you reframe every situation? So I was thinking about this the other day because I was, I was, um, I, I coach women. And one of the questions I was going to talk about is what can we bless and release? So what, what, you know, the, the, uh, the whole concept of uh, does it spark joy with the Marie Kondo, 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 that's her name. Marie Kondo, does it spark joy in terms of uh, the uh, tidying up, the art of tidying up? And, and if there's something in your life that doesn't spark joy, you get to reevaluate it and bless and release it. And there are things in your life that you cannot necessarily just bless and release. There's uh, family members, uh, there are taxes, for example. So I was thinking about the tax example because I uh, had an accountant for a few years that I just didn't see eye to eye with. We didn't have a great chemistry connection in terms of uh, taxes. I didn't understand how she did things. She didn't explain it to me. And I just kind of kept on going just out of habit. Sure. And I decided this year to bless and release that relationship. Now, taxes bring up a lot of things for a lot of people. I have the most amazing accountant now, and I enjoy the experience. So now, whereas before I just did not like the whole tax experience, now she explains everything to me. Now I actually taught myself to do my own bookkeeping. bookkeeping. I haven't done bookkeeping for 18 years and I'm doing it this year finally, just to see what goes in and out. And I go in there once a month and they look at my books and I feel, first of all, I feel really excited because I'm doing my bookkeeping and I'm starting to understand the process of taxes and, and, you know, cash flow out, you know, uh, income outcome, all of that. And so that is, um, that reframed the whole situation for me. So I find it enjoyable now because I've made it a part of my life. I, I like think, that. Yeah. So that, so the power of reframe. 
Yeah, reframing has been a very, very powerful tool for me. And I, I learned getting to, as opposed to having to, when I was in emotional intelligence leadership course. And it's really, really powerful because just being able to say, I get to make my bed, which is really, really simple. But when you get to it, it really goes back to even gratitude because when you say, I get to make my bed, in a way you're saying, I am so grateful for that bed because I recognize there's so many people out there that sleep on the floor. And sometimes that floor is a dirt floor. And, and it just it is a, it's a very gratitude, it t- turns gratitude into a verb, I believe, when you say, I get to do this. Well, absolutely, everything in life, when, this is important what you just said. Uh, gratitude is a verb. Hmm. Abundance is a verb. So we can intellectually understand something, for example, like you can understand, uh, intellectually understand abundance. Oh yes, uh, the world is abundant or money comes easily and frequently. You can intellectually understand that, but until you practice it on a daily basis, on a moment to moment basis, then you don't really understand it. Uh, There is a quote that Brene Brown uses in her book and it's from the Papua New Guinea tribe that knowledge uh, is only rumor until you Feel it in your bones until it's in the muscles. And so you can think all day long about abundance and love and and gratitude, but until you make those things verbs, until love is a verb, until abundance is a verb, until gratitude is a verb, something you practice day in, day out, moment by moment, then you fully don't understand it. It is not integrated into your life. It is something that you are you are uh, window shopping and it's inside the store and you're looking at it, but it's not truly something that you have. And so uh, living life in the verb, living life in the gratitude, in the abundance. So like, for example, with abundance is is being generous, uh, is is buying things, being charitable. Uh, It's tipping. So those types of things. Being grateful is saying, I am grateful. I get to. So being in that practice, everything in life is a practice. Yes, I agree. And one of the things that I love in my gratitude practice, especially when writing it down, you can take, like say you're gonna do, you wanna write down 10 things every day that you're grateful for. If you can take that sheet of paper where you wrote the list of gratitude and basically put why next to everyone. After you do 10, write down why next to number one and then write why you're grateful for that and keep asking yourself why. It'll extend the gratitude practice, but you were talking about feeling it. If you're just saying you're grateful for something, it's too easy to skim over it. Like it's just a word, right? We lose the power of gratitude unless we know why. Explain why, tell God why you're grateful for your bed or for your job or for your spouse or for, and really get in there. That will, to me, helps really help you get in to feel it where it does become something that is is a verb. Yes, we get to feel the feelings. Yes. Uh, we get to feel the feelings of gratitude. And a part of a gratitude practice is acknowledgement and acknowledging those in your life in the moment. And, and so I'm a big fan of real time living, living in the now living in the now, gratitude, abundance, be, testing that, practicing it in the moment and acknowledging someone for, 
how um, you know how they show up for you in 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 your life, acknowledging them for who they are. <laughs> and, you know, on the other side of the table, he just gave me a high five. <laughs> oh, it's red. Let me give it a high five too. All right. There you go. <laughs> so acknowledging them in the moment. And, and as I was reading my book uh, yesterday in this recording studio, I was talking about acknowledgement and how my my dad's twin sister, when she passed, I didn't go to the funeral. And I know why I didn't go to the funeral because I was so filled with uh, guilt that I never took the time to pick up the phone and acknowledge her when she was alive. That I didn't, you know, take that, I was so busy in my adult life and adulting and doing all those things, that even though when I saw her when I was younger or at family events, that I never had like created that moment to acknowledge her and I said, you know, what good is for me to go now to acknowledge her when I didn't acknowledge her when she was alive? That was a huge learning lesson for me. And, and so acknowledge people when they're here. Mm. That's yeah. I love that. It's 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 a sickening feeling to not to be able to look back and say, God, I wish I would have just said I was sorry. I wish I would have made amends. I wish I would have said I've forgiven you. Because you know it's hard to once that's gone and you don't have that opportunity, it becomes almost like cancer and getting rid of it out of your body. I mean, I think about not being able to tell my father that I forgave him mm. or asking for, for forgiveness for myself to him. Mm. I think about those things and yeah, I've worked through it now, but the weight that that put on me for years, all the wasted energy and the wasted just angst that I could have released. And I just wanna encourage people that are listening. And I think this goes along with what you're saying if there's someone in your life right now that you need to say you, that you forgive or that you're, you want to, you need to apologize to, or you want to acknowledge them for being special in your life, just to say, thank you. Thank you for opening the door for me when no one else would. In other words, the door of opportunity, the window of opportunity, just say, thank you. I think those poor, like we sit on words and things that need to be said way too long. Yes, we do. And, and to your point, for those people who have maybe passed and you still feel like you didn't make amends with them or forgive them or you feel like it's uh, has, is not clear, um, there is a gratitude practice that I'd like to share here. And it's called yeah, Ho'opono Ono. I don't know if you've heard of it. That's a Polynesian, yeah? It's the Hawaiian uh, prayer. And you can say this on the beach or in nature for someone who maybe not be it will is not here right now or maybe someone that you're not connected with cuz maybe life just took you guys in two different directions but the poem is as follows the prayer is as follows is i'm sorry please forgive me thank you i love you that's, that's it beautiful. you don't even need to say their name no i'm sorry please forgive me thank you i love you I love and so that's a clearing prayer uh, that you can, you know, I've done it on the beach where I've thought about someone and I put it out there. And so you can heal your relationship, even though you are not in relationship anymore, or maybe that person has passed. Okay. One more time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. 
I love you. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I like that. That's, you know, there's that prayer, something very, very similar is a part of this guided meditation that Vision from Mind Valley has. It's very, very similar. Um, but I like that because it's simple because, you know, while you're walking on the beach and you think of, you get one of those memories of like, crap, I have some unfinished business. You know, you don't have time to go run and meditate real quick. If you can just say that, like even just saying that, repeating it after you made me feel a little bit lighter. Mm. It's pretty, I don't even remember, I don't even know who I need to forgive today, but I, like, mm. that's, that's powerful. I like that. Mm. I like that a lot. Yes, and the, and the courageous thing to do if that person's still alive or that person's still in your life is to have a clearing with them in yeah. which you take full responsibility and you, I mean, it's that, you know when you get to have a difficult conversation because you almost like, you would do anything not to pick up the phone and call that person. It's like, I will do anything. I'll do the dishes. I will, <laughs> I will dig a ditch outside rather than call this person. And so those are the kind of conversations that really you get to lean into. And uh, it is like, wow. Uh, so picking up the phone and, and having a clearing, going to someone's house uh, and saying, what you what's your truth in that moment that's one of the scripts in my book is um, my truth in this moment is and to share what your truth is uh, to share what your experience is and it's not to shame and blame it's to take full 100 percent responsibility of your uh, really your ownership of the particular relationship of your contribution um where you maybe went uh in the wrong direction and so uh this, uh, so it's available now, you can do it. And it's really, it's, cho it's choosing courage over comfort. Brene Brown always says that. Choosing, it's choosing courage over comfort. Why do I know that name, Brienne Brown? Brene Brown. Brene, yeah, Brene Brown. Why do I? Yeah, she's a big time author of Daring Greatly and- uh, Isn't she the five second rule or something like that's, that? That's Mel Robbins. Oh, sorry. She's great too. I like her. Yeah, she's wow. great. Too. So yeah, Brene Brown is a she calls herself a storyteller and her specialty is shame. So she's a research storyteller. And yeah, she has a Netflix special, so you should take a look at that. Okay, I gotta check this out because I love the art of storytelling, but when you can actually tie storytelling in in, in sec or tie that in with um, you know, like evidence, evidence-based storytelling. Mm -hmm is so beautiful, I think. I, I really like that. Yeah, she says that a lot of researchers, researchers focus on quantitative data and that her specialty and her, what she thinks is so important and such a part, huge part of the picture is qualitative data, is storytelling, is real people's stories. And so uh, that's, that's her specialty uh, and, uh, and overcoming, overcoming shame or looking it in the face. We have a question from Maureen. Hi, Maureen, thank you for joining. What if someone did something to you that God said to forgive, but you have removed them from your memory? Mm. Yeah, you've removed them from your uh, memory. So, uh, well, forgiveness is an important part of your gratitude mindfulness toolkit. Forgiveness is so important. I mean, it is. it is the... Uh, I mean, if you think about Jesus, Martin Luther King, any anyone who has uh, been uh, imprisoned or, uh, you know, devastating abuse has uh, been done to them, forgiving the other person actually gives you your freedom. 
Yeah. You will not be free unless you forgive. I, I want to go back to something because I want to answer, Maureen, I think I can also answer this question from a different perspective. So <clears throat> I hate, hey, Peggy, good to see you. I hated my father. I hated him. And to the point that like I just respected him and some of you know the story already, but I showed up late to his funeral because I was doing cocaine till 6 a.m., drinking tequila, doing cocaine. And I showed up an hour late, just still high as a kite, a train wreck. Like, that's how much I hated him, that I would disrespect someone's funeral. All I was was an angry, miserable troll. I was angry that I was abused. I was angry that he was the reason why my sisters disappeared. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I hated what he did to my mother. I hated all of it. But all that was was poison for me. Absolutely. And it took, and I feel led to share this, but I'm screaming at God in jail, my second night there, screaming at him, why won't you fix me? Why would you? Why can't you change me like everybody else? And when I heard God say to me, you have to forgive your father, mm. how the hell am I supposed to do that? Because it happened to him too. Mm-hmm. So that allowed compassion to set in because now I'm going, wait a second. He was this monster, but what am I? What am I now? I had compassion because I realized that hurt people hurt people. It doesn't excuse the behavior, but if it gives you some, wait, hold on, where'd you go? Maureen, if Maureen, if it gives you perspective, I would like to suggest that looking at the person that hurt you, did it happen to them too? Maybe that can give you some type of understanding and maybe the smallest bit of compassion will allow forgiveness to crack you open. Because I will tell you that the minute I forgave, truly, truly forgave my father after I was done screaming at God, <laughs> it, 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 it took this ray, this that forgiveness, just a small bit of compassion cracked open that 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 armor I had built around me of just anger and hate and rage. Compassion set in to the point that I was inevitably able to forgive my father. And it changed the course of my life. Yes, I had other people to forgive, including myself. But that was a key piece. And it sounds like this is something that's holding you back, Maureen. So I would suggest try to shift yourself to look at it from a compassionate point of view and ask, do you feel that, you know, maybe this, this happened to them, you know? So just, a, just an idea. Uh, Vanessa, great to see you. Uh, Peggy, great to see you. God bless you too. So Alicia, do you have anything to expand upon that? Well, you said hurt people hurt people. And when you look at the opportunity on the other side is that healed people heal people. And so that our greatest work that I we like that. do, our greatest work that we can do is heal from past traumas and and generational traumas, uh, to um, to shine our light and heal others. And so I I think it's so important that we spend our our time on Earth is is healing 
uh, and focusing out on others. So, um, you know, just as, you know, hurt, uh, hurt people hurt people, disconnected people disconnect from people, uh, and, and uh, angry people anger people. Let's look at the other side. Healed people heal people. Uh, joyful people are joy to people and connected people connect with people. And so how can we heal the cycle of uh, how, we, how can we heal and break the cycle? And that's by being the opposite. That's why it's showing up uh, and being what's not there. And uh, and that's uh, that's our that could be our purpose. I, I really like how you shifted, speaking of shifting. Um, <laughs> hurt people, hurt people, healed people, heal people, connected people, connect people. I, I think it's beautiful. And it almost goes back and you ask yourself the question, who do I choose to be today? Mm -hmm. Am I going to be the hurt person or am I going to be in, am I going to be the grateful guy? Am I going to be, or the grateful woman? Am I going to be the one that's blessed to be here? Mm -hmm. And they have that attitude of everywhere you show up, I'm blessed to be here. It's a and choice. It's a choice, yes. Every moment is a choice moment. We choose moment by moment. And that the reason I keep on saying moment by moment is because we have an opportunity to shift in that next moment. And so nothing is set in stone, set in destiny. It's like I, I can shift in this very moment. I call another gratitude toolkit is make shift happen. We have the ability to make shift happen. And, <laughs> and, and I use that so people remember it. Okay, I'm gonna make shift happen. It's when you, when you stub your toe in the morning, you can you know, milk that stub toe all day long. You could take it on the 405 with you. You can take it into your work in the cubicle. You, you, all your coworkers will be looking at you with your stub toe. You can bring it home that evening to your spouse and your kids. Or you can say, ow. You can be self-aware, you can acknowledge that hurt. Let me sit down for a moment, take a few breaths in, shift and move forward. I, I had that day yesterday. Um, I woke up because the night before I ate like a pig, you know, Mas Masteros or is it Masteros in, in Beverly Hills? Yes. Okay, went there for a birthday party and ate like it was Thanksgiving, Christmas, and my birthday, all in one meal. I felt so bad the next day. I was grumpy. Like, you know how the food is just, there's so much butter in the steaks. and just, mm -hmm. oh, it's just so rich. I felt like death. And I was angry at myself because I knew better. And I was just mad and grumpy all day long. And finally something like, I just was like ruining my day. And I was like, what the heck is wrong with me? And then just took a second to breathe and go, you know what? Get over it. <laughs> like, you got to have a great night. Quit feeling sorry for yourself that you ate too much. Deal with it and move on. Mm -hmm. And it was just amazing. Like, and then just taking that second to reflect on why you're going to waste your day, take a deep breath, move on. And then all of a sudden, it ended up being this great day. Living an examined life, and I mean examined by asking yourself questions, clarifying questions. So the other night, as you were mentioning your evening, uh, the, other, the other day I got really in a dark place reading about all of the victims of the Sri Lanka attacks on Easter Sunday. And I noticed that as I went through all the articles and was looking at people's Instagrams and reading everything and about and the bios and et cetera, that I was getting darker and darker 
uh, more fearful. And I asked myself this question, what good am I doing the world by being in a dark place? How can I serve the world when I'm in this type of position? And not making it wrong, just being aware, okay, sure. that I've gone to a dark place and that I'm going in and shrinking and that is not serving the world. And so that was, uh, that question was, gave me an opportunity to reflect and make a choice to move forward. I, I, I love that and that is a tragedy. And I, when I saw that, I wanted to post like it, it everything in me wanted to post something about it because I I'm one of those people that I really believe I know how the world really works. I kind of get into some wormholes and you know and I see that and I see how it connects to some other things that are happening and like it 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 ignites something in me but I'm so worried about putting that darkness like I don't think people really want to know how the world works sometimes. And it's just, and I, it, it is a hard thing. It's like, you can sit there and read this stuff and let it just poison your soul, you know, or, or you can let it go. You can pray for them. It's just, it's, it's tough sometimes because life is hard life. There is tragedy. There is trauma and like, and how you respond to it can, it can really shape how your day, months, weeks, years go, I think. Um, we have a question from Vanessa. How can I be healed when my past keeps following me? I have an opinion about this. Would you like to? Uh, I'll jump like in. Yeah, your past will keep on following you until you turn around and face it. Again, <laughs> the only way out is through. And so we will continue to have the same lessons and lessons and lessons in life until we do the work that's required. And that's the healing work. That's the work could be around. You keep on having financial issues until you do the work. It's going to keep on showing up. And so in terms of your past, that means there is something that is unresolved and that that is calling for forth, calling you forth to be courageous to face it, whether that's picking up the phone, writing a letter, coming to terms, doing some work, hiring a therapist doing a mediation call with whoever may be the person involved to get down to the bottom of it, to clear it. We are in spring now, doing spring cleaning. And part of spring cleaning is anything that keeps on showing up in our life continuously gets to be addressed in a courageous way. Yeah, Mary says, when I'm in a dark place, it helps me if I do acts of kindness to others and bring a smile to their face, serving others. Amen, Mary. That's beautiful. I it's back to Vanessa. Um, I, I really believe that thing that's calling you like that keeps following you. I always ask myself, what have I been praying for recently? Because sometimes that thing that's coming at you, like you were, you're praying for relief. You're praying for a breakthrough. You're praying for a bigger house, a new a healthy relationship, uh, whatever. You're praying for those things. But I always ask myself, how am I handling what I have now? Like, am I being a good steward? Am I being a good manager of the blessings that God's given me now? Am I being the, if I'm praying for love, am I being the man that is worthy of love? And it's really easy to say we're all worthy of love, 
no, I disagree. If you're a psychopath and you're an, an abuser and you're not mentally stable and you're, you know, you're just a wreck. I, I, yeah, sure. You're worth love, but you're not worth, you're not ready for a healthy romantic love. I don't believe. So maybe there's something in your life that you need to heal. I know that God did that to me. I mean, I married a perfect stranger <laughs> in it, in, and it, and, it, and it didn't end well. But that said, what it did was that it revealed to me the areas of my life that I get to heal and I get to work on, I get to face. And some of those things were hard. But I do know this. It is part of God's promises, especially if you're surrendering this kind of stuff to God. Like it's put there for a reason. You get to face those giants. Think about David versus Goliath. Prime example. Face that giant. Once you face that giant and you conquer it, you become that giant that you were afraid of. And guess what? There's another giant waiting for you. <laughs> but you get to have victory. You get to, but look, you got to, you sometimes, the way to, to, to have the life that you want, you get to face your giants. It's just part of it. So it will keep following you. It will keep circling back around as much as you try to avoid it. You can use all the drugs in the world. You can try to have sex and make it go away. You can do whatever you want, but it's never going away until you face it. It's not going away. Not <laughs> so going I, would, away. I would invite Vest and uh, Vanessa to get really clear on what it is, what's showing up, who's showing up, and and then find support to to approach that, to courageously come forth, and and so. There's a concept in my book, I say, you know, um, instead of calling people out, call people forth. And I truly believe that when people are called forth, they, that they take a stand in their leadership. And, and so um, when you are committed to healing and clearing that, then there's gonna be so many breakthroughs available on the other side. And so anytime in your life when you're feeling like you're clenching your fists and you're getting sweaty and you're tight and you're constricted, you're coming from a part of your brain um, which I call the critter brain. So if we look at uh, neuroscience for a bit and for the uh, sake of simplicity, we have two parts of our brain. Uh, one is the critter brain, which is our amygdala. This is our fight, flight, and freeze response. Uh, this is our constricted brain. Uh, this is the part of our brain that's about survival. Okay, so that's the part of our brain. Now the prefrontal cortex, um, the neo neocortex, which is the prefrontal cortex, that's our intelligent brain, that's our smart brain. And so anytime um, that we are sweating, stressed, and we're constricted, think we're, co we're coming from our critter brain. And um, the only thing that happens in our critter brain is survival, and the most base survival is eating and, and getting to the next day. Now, that is not a way to thrive. It is a way to get us to the next day in terms of surviving, but it's not a way to thrive. When we are operating in our prefrontal cortex, from that place is an expansive brain. It's our abundant brain. It's the brain that invites in innovation, communication, conversation, intimacy, love, art, all the things in life uh, to um, you know, really have that, that, that beautiful, that, that, that beautiful life uh, that we all desire. Uh, beautiful relationships, beautiful connection. And, and, and so if you feel like, you know, something from the past is 
is, is it keeps on showing up. If it's making your palms sweaty, uh, blood, blood, you know, pulsate through your body, it's something that you get to address from this part of your brain. So what's the bridge from your critter brain to the prefrontal cortex? The bridge is breath work. The bridge is meditation. The bridge is the bridge is emotional intelligence, self-awareness. Hmm, I wonder why, I wonder why I'm feeling this way. What are my thoughts? What are my feelings? What are my physical sensations? Just noticing, noticing what's going on, noticing why you feel something from your past keeps on creeping up. What would it look like? And ask yourself this question and get continuously ask yourself questions. What would it look like if I faced it head on? What would it look like if I asked for support? And so come from it in a place of, um, of possibility and, and, and healing. And, and so we can see how we're navigating through the world by how we're responding. So response comes from this part of the brain. Reaction comes from the critter brain. Wow. Maria says, true. My giant was the one who hurt me when I was five and didn't stop until I was 10. God, I'm so sorry. I forgave him by teaching my four children that they were safe with me. Apparently, he did the wrong thing to my mom and her sisters. I stopped the cycle. You broke the cycle. Yes. I love that. And I, want, I, I feel led to bring this up, too, especially women. Men, men this happens to also, but I want to talk to women here. If you're in a cycle, like everyone that you start dating ends up being an abusive relationship of some sort, you're attracting predators. They can smell blood. They can, it's like a shark smelling. They can smell your wounds. And, what, and, and I really want to encourage you that if you keep finding yourself in a series of these relationships, I personally think that you need to get off Tinder and Bumble and, and all those websites, Match.com, eHarmony, Christian Mingle, whatever. Whatever you're on and doing, and you keep attracting abusers in your life, or sociopaths, or narcissists, or addicts, it's because they smell your blood. And, and I can speak to this as somebody that's been the victim and the victimizer. I really want to encourage you to take the time to heal to step away from dating, start doing the work to find love in yourself. Because it, until, you, you, until you do this, until you take the time to heal and really start to love yourself, you're going to be a victim over and over and over and over and over again. Because they can smell your blood. And unfortunately, narcissists are the most clever liars, manipulators on the planet. And until you heal, you're gonna keep attracted because they're really good. And I just wanna encourage you to please step away from the dating apps and start really spending time to love yourself back to health. Because mm -hmm. if not, you're screwed. Yes, it's a really interesting you said that. I, I, I feel for the dating apps are an interesting thing. I, in terms of me doing a lot of reading and work in, in masculine and feminine, I, I truly believe that that women, uh, when you're in the Tinder going back and forth like this, uh, you're in the hunting position. So you're in a very masculine position and, uh, and you're probably not gonna attract the person that you wanna be with when you're in that type of position, uh, when you're in your masculine drive, push, hustle, mm -hmm 
exhaustion. And, and so even just the even act of like going back and forth and hunting and like is, so uh, I got off on all, off of all of those um, apps. Uh, I knew it wasn't uh, my best uh, use of my energy. And so I agree with you, Joshua, in, in terms of uh, being in your feminine, actually hang out with women more, go do fun things, be in a women's group, um, hike, uh, enjoy life, read, journal, like all the fun things that, that is being a woman, uh, dress beautifully, uh, you know, take locks, long, locks, long walks along the beach. Uh, so really dive into your feminine. And there's so many different ways to do that. There's so many different women's groups. I'm in a women's group. I lead a woman's group. And, and be in that space, developing your feminine leadership and uh, really focusing on manifestation, mantras, and, and uh, creating the life you want by speaking it. I think it's really powerful to, first of all, you visualize your dream life. And, uh, and then the, once you speak it, it's taking your dream life into real life through the power of words. What you say, you create. It's the power of the spoken word. That's why I wrote this book, because it's all about intentional communication for transformational results in your life is that when you are intentional and with the way you speak, you can actually create it. Uh, I have practiced this my entire life, and this might sound very woo-woo, uh, and you know, I'm, I've been a successful businesswoman for 18 years, I'm a single mother, uh, and I, I do a lot of my work in just manifesting by what I want to create. Um, so, yeah. What you get to create. What I get to create, absolutely. <laughs> what I get to create, it's have fun, play. And um, it's, you know, really this, this kind of stress energy. Again, going back to the critter brain, when you're in stress mode, you're in critter brain mode, and you, you're not gonna be able to create art and connected, connected relationships and beautiful uh, moments when you're always like this and stressed out. Uh, so be in a place of ease, of mindfulness, effortlessness, grace. Mm -hmm. I, I also love what you said about the dating app, about it puts you in the masculine and the hunter mode. And I never would have thought about this. I never thought about that, but now it, it took me back. I had taken a break from dating and everything, and I'm like, okay. And then I finally had opened myself up to it. And I'm like, well, I don't really see people doing what I do. I'm very behind the scenes or what I am around other people, it's not really appropriate for me like, hey, how you doing? And like, so I got on date, I got on a, like a couple dating nets, I would try them and, and first of all, they give me anxiety, but it is hunting. And what I noticed for me is this is a trigger because I'm basing everything off of, are you worth a swipe right or a swipe left? And that mindset alone is not healthy for me. And I'm so thankful because I remember going to church and I had this 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 really woman that was a pastor um, in Kentucky who was there. And she said to me, stop look, looking. God is going. And I, she had never like this is these are the words. She didn't even know. She didn't know that I was looking, you know, on a dating app or anything. She looked at me and said, stop looking. God's going to bring her to you. And I'm like, OK, that was enough. Because I'd already had this inner turmoil about how it was affecting me. I'm like, how the heck am I going to meet anybody? Oh, yeah, I could trust God. That works. But sure enough, she was right. So <laughs> it's, 
it's amazing how that works. But I love that you said that because it is it is hunting. It is putting people in this masculine. I'm gonna go hunt this person down, and there it. I just don't know how many true love experiences are coming out of the the swiping. I just don't. Yeah, it pits women in their masculine, and it pits men in their hyper -mas uh, masculine and maybe toxic masculine because there's so many women available that it's it's hard to focus on one. And and so um, yeah, I'm not a big fan. And I you know I created my my love relationship and my partnership uh, through through mantras. My mantra was I get to be claimed by my man. Ooh. So I just said that. Say that one more time. I want the women to hear this. Yeah. I get to be claimed by my man. That's Ooh. what's up. And that's what a king does. Yes. That's, that's what, what a king does. And that's how he find. and that's a queen attitude. So I yeah. love that. And when, so we, when women treat ourselves like queens, we create that, we create that in our kings. And even if you're currently in a relationship uh, versus nagging or being stressed out or, or screaming, yeah, being in your queendom and being a, what I call softening in your feminine will actually, it will evoke and propel your partner to be in their masculine, to be in their masculine and they will step up to the challenge. So you can, so a lot of, and I've seen this from my experience in life and, uh, you know, growing up and, you know, everyone's just doing their best. And what I saw is that constantly nagging just nitpicks someone down. First of all, it just, it, it just is such a lose-lose situation. Mm -hmm. And what, if, what, if, what does it look like to be counterintuitive? If you want the garbage taken out, you can scream at someone, take the garbage out. Or you can say, hey, babe, would you mind taking the taking the garbage out? And it's like it's received in a different way. Mm -hmm. I I know another thing too that I think is really powerful that I learned in emotional intelligence, and this I think this works better for women than it does men. But ladies, if you have something that you need to talk to about your man, I it's um, especially if it's something a little bit edgy or something that could you know set him off. Like, hey, can I give you feedback? Or, hey, um, can I get clear with you about something? It's amazing how that disengages before somebody can get engaged, especially me. Because if I'm running a 1,000 miles an hour and I'm high, high strong and then all of a sudden you want to come drop something heavy on me, I may not receive it that well. I'm just saying. But when someone comes up to me and says, can I give you feedback, I immediately am disarmed. Or I'm able to say, this is really not a good time. And if someone says it's not a good time, you get to respect that because that one fight, that that waiting 10 minutes, waiting five minutes, maybe even waiting 24 hours could be the difference that could save your relationship. What do you yeah. think? About yeah. What I would say, Joshua, a feedback is an interesting word. And it's actually I have a whole section on my book about this. Um, I'm buying your book now, by the way. This sounds great. Thank you. So feedback is something I think really works well in the corporate world, business world, work world. Mm -hmm. In the terms of an intimate relationship, it's, it's, you know, hey, can I give you some feedback? That could even, that's a question that could even, you know, arm people up, you know, get some armor because it's like feedback. Oh my goodness, are they going to sure. tell me 
you know, I'm not doing a good job uh, is, you know, something like, hey, babe, um, I have some thoughts on that. Would you mind hearing? Something like that. So it's again, the tone. So it's not only, not only the words you say, but it's the tone in which you say it. And so going going from places like, hey, I have some thoughts on that. Um, do you want to hear? And almost like a little mystique, a little just a kind of flirting a little bit. And then it's like, ooh, and then it just changes the whole dynamic. Uh, and so it's it's called the, uh, it's in my book, I call it, there's this the sub-dom swap. Uh, and so that's the submissive dominant swap. And so uh, in terms of the example I use in my book is I have a 17 year old daughter and we're both alpha females. I'm, I'm a, you know, she's a very strong, I raised a very strong girl. And, and so we'll be just like going at it. And I will, when I see that escalation, I soften and I'm like, Hey, can you support me in this? And then my daughter's like, Oh yeah, mom. <laughs> Cause it's like, when you soften, it's like, then they, their guard lets down and then you de-escalate the situation. And, and so, and then I, it's like, I almost turn into a little puppy and then my, my daughter wants to help me. It's like, hey, can you support me in this? I really need your help. And then she's like, okay. So that's the, that's the dom sub swap. Cause even though I'm, I'm the dominant in the relationship, I'm the one who pays the bills. I'm the one who has, you know, sets the curfew. When I go into the submissive, then she feels safe to to uh, this whole de de-escalation happens. In terms of the masculine feminine swap, that particular situation is when a man is in their masculine. For example, I have I have this example in my book. When a man is in their masculine, so my, my partner used to be a race car driver and stunt in, in Hollywood. And we did this awesome tour of Eastern Europe. And we were we were driving like through Albania and Macedonia, and he was zipping around these switchbacks. And I was like white knuckling it. Like I'm like, oh my god. And then my alpha female and my critter brain, everything was like going off and in and trifecta. I was like, ah, oh. and I, I wanted to just like, I wanted to dig in. I wanted to like scream and like, what the like that that was the energy that was being like under the surface. And what I did was I softened. I said, and I said the following. I said, hey babe. When you drive so fast, it doesn't make me feel safe. Can you make me feel safe again? Oh my gosh. I wasn't even in the car and I'm like, man, that's really good. <laughs> when I said that, he's like, oh, sure. No. He's like, sure, babe. And he's oh. And I know if I did the opposite, I know if I did what my whole body was wanting me to do, and like, like I know if I did that it would have not ended well. It would have been like, like and then, and then there had been a fighting match and that that's not a win-win. And so we're talking about emotional intelligence. Part of emotional intelligence is your self-awareness, it's empathy, and it's also being self-aware of where they are. Mm -hmm. And so by softening in those two situations, you really, at the end of the day, get what you want. It's just a different way of going about it. It's counterintuitive. People feel like to get what they want, they have to push, they have to drive, they have to hustle, they have to stress and, and, and sweat and, and like work their way up the hill or the mountain. But really, I mean, to get up the mountain, you can work your way up by, by, by hiking or you can take a helicopter. 
It's so, up to you. That, why aren't you teaching men? Because everything that you've said, like there's a lot of value because you basically are telling women how to talk to their man at, no, hold on, to their king. Yes. As a, you talk to speak as a queen to their mm -hmm. king, like that language that you're speaking is kingdom speak. Mm -hmm. It's empowering. It's real. It's authentic. It's beautiful. Why aren't you working with men too? And like and teaching them how to speak and to how to treat their queen. Because a lot of men, here's the thing, men, and I've been guilty of it my whole life until now. We always act like we want a strong, powerful queen until we get one. And then we're like, well, what the heck am I going to do with this? You know, we're used to like being cavemen. We're not brought up on how to treat a queen. Very few of us are. Why aren't you teaching men how to, to do this? I think there's a lot of value there. Wow, that's a great idea. I, I teach women. And obviously, I have my my business that I've been doing for twelve years, helping people write books, and uh, so maybe maybe I'll do that. Because I, I'm telling you, there I've found more value as a man, as somebody that wants to be a king for his queen, gets to gets to be a king for his queen. I've I've learned so much from this. Just you addressing it from a female's perspective. I tried to appreciate mine, but what do you do when you're married to a narcissist? I've got an opinion about this. Would you like to go first? If you're married to a narcissist. Did you see that? I tried to appreciate my man. Yeah. But what do you do when you're married to a narcissist? So a narcissist is when someone just, what's, what's the basic definition? I, I look at it as someone who is looking at themselves in the mirror. That's my definition of a, a narcissist that uh, thinks you know, there, things like see, do you do you have a recovering narcissist? Mm -hmm. Oh, you're you're a recovering narcissist. Okay, tell me how how did that show up for you? Lies, manipulation, only thinking of self, being able to fake emotions to get what I want, manipulating, gaslighting. I lost you at gaslighting. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I'm still live, but uh, oh. so if I'm still live, I'll go in terms of a narcissist. So gaslighting and manipulation and thinking is right and, and all of that. Wow. You know, that's a that's a lot to take in. And so in that type of situation, there we are. I I was I was I was I was jumping off what you were saying in terms of narcissism. Okay, so gaslighting, um, um, creating confusion, disorientation, sleight of hands, like you know, saying like a lot of double speak or talking in circles. It's it's all deception, and and basically, I think it's bur. I don't think it's something that people wake up and go, hey, guess what? I want to be a narcissist today. I think through trauma protection, people that have mental health issues, especially like borderline personality disorder, which has really helped mine. Um, I mean, helped in a bad way. Um, it, 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 it's just all about deception, trying to be able to keep doing anything and er everything to keep the double life, triple life going. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like my double life had a double life.
So I, the way I approach this in, in life in general, whether you're dealing with a narcissist, uh, whoever, whomever you're dealing with, is shine your light bright, keep doing what you're doing, and vibrate the level that you want to vibrate. And that means constantly, day to day, moment by moment, being aligned with joy, doing things that fill you with joy. And so what will happen in that particular situation is that you are, you're going you're gonna to attract people who are vibrating at a certain level or people are going to fall away. Now, in the case if it's someone like codependent or who's who wants to like who wants to be with you, I mean, you you got to make decisions. I mean, I'm I'm a big proponent of leaving relationships if they don't work for you. I mean, I agree. that's that's you know, if it's not working for you, it's it's leave it and and then you know if the person changes, you know, see what see what they do and then and then go back with them if you feel that that works for you. But there's nothing wrong with leaving a relationship if that's not working for you. So here, here's my take. I want to speak on this from both sides, uh, Maureen. Uh, and again, I appreciate your question so much. And I love, I, I'm so thankful that I get to speak on both sides of these issues because I've experienced both. I think that prayer obviously is going to be very, very important, but I really think that you need to, your, your narcissist husband is not going to like this but you need to really focus on a lot of self-love and doing things to build yourself up and build up your armor and do everything you can to cleanse yourself of anything toxic in your life. Now, if that doesn't motivate your narcissist husband to start get seeking help and to start working on his things, my opinion is you get to leave. Um, and I mean that, and I know that sounds crazy, but you, the odds of healing Within a, a relationship, a narcissistic relationship, the odds of being able to heal in the moment without any separation is about 1% or less. It, it, it's going to take a lot of extra special work on your side to, can, to build yourself up. Um, again, self-love, self-care. Um, and I also believe that if he's truly a narcissist, you need to push him to start getting help because I don't believe anyone signs up to be a narcissist, but eventually they, it, when it happens, it happens. And it's something that's very hard to reverse. Uh, the other thing I want to mention, he probably will not want to get help. Um, and, 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 and he will probably hate you for trying to get you to, to help. Um, or for wanting, for wanting him to get help, he's probably going to hate you. He's probably going to lie through his teeth. It's going to get really, really uncomfortable. Um, but the truth is this. You cannot live in a narcissistic relationship. And I really, really believe that in these situations, especially if you're somebody that's a believer, I really believe that God would bless you divorcing that, leaving that relationship. Because if you're in a narcissistic relationship, there's nothing about that relationship that's true. There's nothing about that relationship that's healthy. It's built on a foundation of lies and quicksand, and you have no shot in hell in surviving unless if you just, God can come in and perform a miracle, which I believe he can do, but it's really gonna take you taking the first step and doing a lot of self-love. Because if you're truly with a narcissist, you've been beaten down, confused, you have some PTSD, odds are, God knows what else you've experienced, um, but now it's time for you. I'm your doctor. I'm writing your prescription for self-love and self-care. Because I, I know the damage that I did to women. Um, 
I'm just, I'm just telling you, I, I, I stand behind everything I just said. Well, Joshua, I want to acknowledge you for being authentic and raw and putting it all on the table. I mean, you're very, I, I didn't know very much about you before our, we just kind of jumped on the call and uh, you're very honest and heart opened when you share about your past and what you did and and that you get to forgive yourself. I, my, when God spared my life, Alicia, I made a commitment my life was no longer my own. So all of the self-serving BS that I lived my life with for most of my life from really, I think it started probably right after being molested. Um, it, it became about self-preservation to the point that it, it developed this monster. And, you know, I didn't like who I was at all, but I, it got bad. But when I started this journey with Gratitude Unfiltered, it was about putting a spotlight on my shadow world that I lived in. Not to expose other people, that's not my place to do that. It was about exposing me and living exposed because I realized that I may never be forgiven for the things that I've done. There's a lot of things that I can't make right. But what I can do is I can start new ripple effects of change. I can create a space for healing for other people. And it's gonna take someone being willing to be honest about being the not just the abused but the abuser it's going to take how it's going to take really honest conversations about what those worlds look like because i believe even saying the word abuse we've become desensitized to so i try to paint that picture because i genuinely with all my heart want to create a space for healing and i want every woman and every man every child every teenager that has been abused to know, yeah, it sucks, but you have an opportunity to use that experience for good. Mm -hmm. I share and your story. Yeah. It, it, it matters. So really quick, what if eliminating all toxic toxicity leaves you completely alone, no friends or family? Would you like to address that question? Yeah, that what I'm my experience of that question, Vanessa, is um, is fear fear that, that you're perhaps staying in relationships because they're friends and family, and you can love someone and have firm boundaries. You can love them. And even using the Ho'opono Ono prayer and, and blessing releasing relationships that, and when I say that, no longer serve you, not in the self-serving way, sure. but in the healthy way. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to break this relationship off because he doesn't have a Bentley, no longer serves me. That's, you know, that's, that's one way. But if it's, you know, that's the way of yourself serving, but because it's abusive. Yeah. And, and so if you're alone, I mean, well, first of all, it, that, that's a very fear based. It's, it's, uh, um, you know, I, I can see that it might be scary. This, this thought of, of removing relationships or perhaps a partnership that um, is toxic. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be alone. Well, it's, it's that whole concept of taking a step out in faith and then you see the entire staircase. So once you close off, 
create that boundary, heal that part of you and heal that relationship, there will be other opportunities. Again, get in the place of visualization of what you want to create in your life. And so I would say um, definitely, uh, I, I can see it's scary. I know like a lot of abusive women, it, it, it's, it's not an easy thing to just say, leave him, leave him. People, people always say, oh, just leave him because there's a lot of connection and actually we treat people we treat people um, how we want to be treated, essentially, or we 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 allow people, we enable people to treat us the way they uh, treat us. And there's a there's a tribe in uh, northern Thailand in Chiang Mai, and the women of that tribe are they're they're put uh, rings on their neck as soon as they're born, and uh, probably get to like 50 rings, and their necks are really really long, they have these long necks. And I, I met some of these women and. If you take the rings off, their neck snaps and they die. And the and think about that as our subconscious and unconscious beliefs and our limiting beliefs and the traumas and the abuse. It's like we have all of these on our neck and we're so used to having these limiting beliefs and we're so used to having these like toxic relationships and we're so used to having all of this that we are so scared that if you remove them, I will die. So that's the feeling It's like, so we would rather sometimes because we're so trained in our subconscious mind, we would rather sometimes just stay in an abusive relationship because that's all we know. So um, the, the thought of, um, um, you know, that that's all I know is keeping us in this cycle, this cycle. And, and so it would be taking a leap of faith. I'm a firm believer um, I've, I've said this before, and a lot of people that have listened to the show and watched the show in the past, you know, I, the truth is where you find your tribe. And for people, the fear of, you know, limiting toxicity and leaving the family and like, and I don't know if you're protecting someone, um, you know, you're holding on someone else's secrets, but I can tell you firsthand that by holding on to someone's secrets, and I'm just assuming here, so forgive me, but I, I that statement to me makes me feel like you're keeping some secrets for people. Those secrets are not only killing you, you're not doing the per other person that you feel like you're doing a favor for, you're not doing them any favors either. You're actually enabling them to keep doing what they're doing. Um, and I really believe that if you can stand in truth with this and just get really, really honest, I believe that it's a universal law that truth and standing in truth will bring you your tribe, will bring you your people, they will bring you your family. And that's what I believe. So, you know, I don't know how to support you. Again, I assume that, but if that hits home for you, I, I, I mean it sincerely because I, man, listen, I, I was failing miserably over and over and over again. I'm going, God, I'm doing everything you're telling me to do. No, that wasn't true. I was telling, I was talking about 98% of the truth, but I wasn't standing in truth because 98% of the truth is not truth. And when I finally got the confidence and the courage to go, yeah, this is, this is my past. This is what I did. I, you know, I talked, started talking openly about having HIV and talked about the other reasons I went to jail, which is becoming an abuser. Um, you know, standing in that instead of, yeah, it scared people away from me. But those people didn't need to be in my life anyway. In fact, my relationship with women now 
is 95 times stronger than it ever was. And it came from me sharing that truth. So if that hits home for you, Vanessa, I, I, I pray so. Maureen says, I left. Better still, he put me out. I lost four adult children in the process. Maureen, I want you to message me. I have someone to connect you to that may be able to help that problem. So thank you, Maureen. And Maureen says, thank you to you, Alicia. Thank you, Maureen. So Alicia, really quick, I mean, I, I'm so grateful for your time and this conversation has just been amazing. We haven't even really talked about what you do. Obviously you have a book, but do you mind telling the audience what you do, please? Absolutely, I am a corporate leadership trainer and I do uh, communications courses uh, based on my book, I Get To, How Using the Right Words Can Radically Transform Your Life, Relationships and Business. And I also have for 12 years helped people write books. I have a program called Best Seller in a Weekend and the Book Funnel. And I'm a general coach, executive life and business coach. And so that is what I do. You can find out more about me at aliciadenhams.com. I think what really sets me on fire though is, is communication. I'm also a trained mediator and the power of um, that communication and, and, uh, and conversations, I'd say crucial conversations lead to uh, common ground, uh, commonality, and the power of storytelling. Uh, storytelling is really where it's at when it comes to creating uh, deeper connections. So that's what I'm really passionate about. I love that. I, and I hope to see you start working with men of the future too, because I, this has been for the people that are just joining, I, I, this has been amazing. It's been so fun getting to know you and what you're about and just, you know, there's so much wisdom there that I, I appreciate. Um, so Alicia, I'm, I'm just, again, grateful that you took the time to come on the show today. Joshua, thank you so much. I appreciate this platform and this forum and, and you definitely put your, help, you put your heart out there for all of your community. I love that and I admire that. Well, God bless you. And if we can do anything to support you um, in the future, please let us know. Um, but yeah, thank you. Have a great weekend and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye everyone. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank Enjoy. you, Alicia. Bye-bye. Bye. Holy wow. She was awesome. Like if you guys are just joining, this is something like if you, for those that are live with us, this is worth watching again or listening to. Um, and of course you can go iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, um, TuneIn Radio, YouTube, Facebook, Apple TV, Roku, um, Amazon Fire. You guys can check it out. I. We're here on Facebook because you can comment along and talk to people. Um, but she was terrific. And I still like everything that I believed to be true about her when we had that short meeting, like it wasn't even a meeting. It was just like, hey, we were introduced. I still don't think she remembers. It doesn't matter. I remember. I'm going, there's something about her. And then she's now on the show and she was amazing. It's so funny too because like her books and what she's doing, there's so much more there. Like there's just so much wisdom and that women, the, for the ladies out there that are watching, like just the wisdom and how she won as a queen, the advice that she was given, give, giving for their, you know, to, to, to be able to speak to men, you know, cause sometimes like, sometimes men, like, and I want to, I want to preface this by saying this, 
we all want to be kings and queens. We all want to be who God says we are. And we are if we choose to be that. We choose to take and do the steps and to do the work and all of that. But sometimes, you know, men, we can we need our diapers changed. And I just, I really love how she was framing the words that she was using and talking about, you know, really how women can speak life into men, even when they have something heavy to talk about. Maybe the man's not going to want to talk about it. Like the way she was framing the words and how to speak, it was so empowering. And like, I just have so much respect for that. And, and I, I just, I like that. So ladies, if you're looking, I, I don't normally endorse coaches or anything like that, but like she's, man, she was incredible. And it's just weird that, you know, she's the, the whole book thing. Like, I mean, I know that's great. There's a lot of value and I'm curious about it, but there's just so much more there. Uh, the, the wisdom and I just really I, I liked her a lot. So I'd love to know y'all's opinion um, What you guys thought about her? Let's see here beautiful vibes. You have a blessed weekend Vanessa. Great to see you Peggy bless you. Thank you. Mary bless you um, Power of action that's good Mary. It's a good point. Um, I didn't see that Make a complete sense. I'm figuring out how to break the cycle. I've been through a lot of trauma so it's also it's also all I've ever known. So learning not to sabotage myself, Vanessa, that's tough. And you know, <clears throat> yeah, it's a habit. <laughs> it's, it's what we we do. We create these habits. We get on the. I, I like to call it the hamster hamster wheel of pain that we just get on and and don't get off sometimes. So you know, be easy on yourself. I really just take time to just. You know, self-care and love yourself. I, I, me, for me, it's spending time with God. Um, and Lord, I surrender this to you. I surrender my this relationship to you. And you know, getting to a place of surrender really, really helps. You know, it helps you become aware of the things that you get to work on first. Because here's the deal: you're not going to heal overnight. Yes, I believe that Christ can transform you, but still, you have to deal with some BS. You have to deal with some things that are hard. So, yeah, you can be transformed, but you still get to do the work. And the beauty is you don't have to do it all at one time. You can work on one thing at a time. And I think that by surrendering this to the God and spending time in meditation with God and prayer with God and even reading your Bible, like I really believe that that'll show you those areas that you get to work on first. Because as they say, Rome is not built in a day, meaning you're not going to become the super supreme warrior queen that you were meant to be overnight. It doesn't happen. It takes work and it's, it's consistent work and it's work you'll be doing for the rest of your life. But the good news is in time, it gets to be fun. It's not always fun. Some of the work is like pouring down tears and you're just like, I hate this. Screw this. Ah, but, but in time, in not very much time, I believe that you start to enjoy doing the work and you look forward to the work. And, and that's where you start to see yourself transform. And, you know, so listen, God bless you guys. Uh, Maureen, thank you. The book, absolutely. Message me. I have someone to connect you to. Um, really quick, radio audience, podcast audience, social media, Facebook, YouTube. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Binge Network. Um, do me a favor, you guys. I'd really appreciate if you do this. 
I lost it. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. I was going to post it, but screw it. Anyway, thank you guys for joining. That was an amazing show. Um, I'm so grateful that she came on. Alicia was terrific. You guys have a blessed weekend. And yeah, I think I'm doing a show this weekend. So see you again. Bye.